This is how we overcome the movement now. Keep it up. Reaching to the world. Arms open, arms open, yeah. This is how we practice. Well, welcome back to Crazy Face Talk. I'm Sarah. I'm Erica. And I'm Steve. So, friends, we have we are finishing up um, our series on spiritual gifts. We we spent the last several weeks looking at the list of gifts that come out of First Corinthians, uh, and we looked at things like tongues and healings and interpretation of tongues, all the different gifts that are listed there. Steve, where are we taking this final episode? Well, since we've been saying for all these weeks that. It's not only in 1 Corinthians 12 that you can talk about spiritual gifts. And then we proceeded to spend so much of our time there. We thought today would be a good chance for us to say, okay, well, what are other kinds of things that might be spiritual gifts, whether they come from the scriptures in some other listing, because there are other places where you find something that's a comparable kind of a list of here are gifts the spirit might give or uh things that each of us might lift up even if it doesn't make a particular listing in the bible or in the new testament what are things that maybe we think need to be added into the conversation for spiritual gifts so that's where we want to open another can of worms right here today and again it's not like we're going to be saying oh yes this is the final list of spiritual gifts like there might be more spiritual gifts that we don't talk about. Right. Mm-hmm. And I guess I hope that that's the, the intent with this, that whereas sometimes when we wrap up an episode or a, or a series, we, we at least in our minds think we're tying up all the loose ends. This one, we're deliberately not wanting to tie up loose ends because the idea here is we're hoping that for any of us, for each of us in the conversation, for those who might be listening, that it opens up all of our faithful imagination to look at yeah, what, what other things might I have as abilities or might other people have that are gifts of the spirit that are useful? How, how can I both look at myself for things, ways I can serve others and what are ways I can encourage and empower others? That that's an ongoing project. So the, 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 the list isn't maybe ever completed this side of glory. All that said, um, we, we did mention that there are other places in the scriptures that <laughs> give other kinds of listings. So maybe let's let's start with maybe some place where we're, we feel confident we're on solid ground. Uh, Erica, I know you have mentioned other other kinds of things that are mentioned as gifts of the spirit in other places in the New Testament. Are there some that come to mind that you would want to lift up? Um, so if we're look if we're looking specifically at places in scripture, you have Romans twelve mm-hmm. uh, six through eight. And Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Okay. Or, or two areas. So I've got Romans pulled up here. If I can find it. There we go. Um, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So there, there are some gifts there that we haven't necessarily talked about. It's interesting to me that like there is some overlap, like that language of prophecy kind of dovetails with First Corinthians. Um, but yeah, that like as as Paul wrote to different communities, he uplifted different things that might be needed in their situation in their moment. Mm-hmm. That that seems helpful to me too. That that helps us rightly interpret that Corinthians list to go. Oh, look, Paul wasn't trying to be exhaustive there. He has a whole different list when he's writing to the Romans. And if anything, the the letter to the Romans has a feel of being more general because that's a congregation he'd never been to. And so he's writing sort of a broader, more general kind of a, so yeah, it's helpful to to see he's got, he got things that sound like leadership and things that are behind the scenes like serving there. 
Yeah. And then in Ephesians, he mentions the apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. And so even there, you, you get kind of a whole nother list of gifts that we haven't talked about yet. All three of us, supposedly, yeah. <laughs> I hope, have the gift of at least preaching. Yeah. You know. I, I think it's it's noteworthy there in that in that um, Ephesians passage that pastor and teacher get put side by side and that in so mm-hmm. many languages the the word for pastor is related to the word for shepherd that I mean like that 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 notion of what it, what is it to be a pastor that it, it's it's less it's it's not necessarily priestly liturgical that might be a part of it but there's mm-hmm. more a sense of like that that community guidance community leadership like that's what a shepherd is supposed to do for sheep and that teaching seems related to that um we sometimes have a way of putting this this imaginary line between oh you're just a teacher like no the the scriptures lift up teaching as a really important role and i don't think it's limited there in in ephesians to only like teaching bible lessons that might include that Mm -hmm. but i mean any any things that you were doing that educate or help lift up other people especially for our life together in community in, in christ those are helpful and needed gifts and as a former educator in the public school system yeah you know, my, my training and my education in that has helped me then, and it has been very transfer, um, transferable into my work as a pastor. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think that notion that, um, it really is a skill where maybe again, gift is the right, right notion that it's, it's not just that a teacher isn't just someone who recites words out of a textbook, like they're pouring content into empty brains, but the ability to help people learners make connections to reflect to understand and to have new insights and all that kind of th- those those are are beyond just here memorize the things that are in this book or hey class read chapter two for next time there's a lot that goes into teaching that that is really a, a gift um there are in in both of those other places that you mentioned erica um nods given towards serving uh and that mm-hmm. seems like like a kind of gift that is less upfront. we talked before when we went through first corinthians 12 that there are some of the gifts that paul mentions that are like way 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 out front that you'll i mean like speaking in tongues you know that's happening because someone is paying it you know like that, that's that that catches your attention or doing a miracle or healing yep that's going to get your attention um but serving is is a gift that is is very much a sort of behind the scenes kind of thing and can show up in lots of ways what what are, are there more things we might want to talk about about what it might look like to serve because that can take so many different forms so the way i understand that would be things that are very similar to what Jesus does throughout his ministry. That's not preaching and teaching. It's Mm -hmm. things like feeding people. It's, um, well, you don't see this quite so much, but he tells people to like clothe the naked to, you know, to love and care for your neighbor, whoever that might be. Um, and so it's doing those kind of you know, things that we think of as like ministry, I don't know, I think of as ministry type things that, you know, are serving the community. It's, mm-hmm. it's that feeding, it's that clothing, it's that, you know, doing the um, backpack, school backpack drive in the fall to make sure that all the kids in the school district has backpacks and coats and gloves and hats. And um, I know one of the churches I served used to collect underwear 
to yeah. make sure that all the kids yep. in the school district had underwear. And like, that's things that you don't typically like, think of that, you know, kids need to go back to school is underwear. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it, I don't know, for me, it, that's what that is, is that serving the community. Yeah. And that to recognize that as a gift rather than either as a burden or sometimes it really bothers me when like it gets treated when when acts of serving like you know who runs the soup kitchen who has the clothing bank or whatever like it's treated like you know a, a, a church's corner on the market like well we're the church that's got the you know the this ministry and that you know that like mm -hmm. that 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 misunderstands the idea of this is a gift and if you are in a setting where man it works for you to be the congregation that has the the food pantry or the soup kitchen or the ministry for the homeless or whatever to see that as gift rather than like a, a marketing angle, you know, and, and like so much of our culture seems sees everything as a consumer good or a way to build your brand. But to see these as spiritual gifts means not only are there individuals who really have the ability to send somebody's need and to help attend to that need, but there are groups or congregations or settings where where even physically where you're at, it works for you to be the congregation that has the clothes closet or to be the, you know, the church that has the food pantry or whatever. And that all the other congregations around don't have to duplicate that ministry. I mean, then that we get into competition over, you know, who's, whose food pantry is going to get more action. Um, but like, instead, if we can say in this setting, this is our gift that we're able to offer. That's that, I think that's a big deal. I think somebody who has this gift that often, often gets overlooked because, the clothing cupboard, the food pantry, the, the soup kitchen, those kind of things. While they're behind the scenes, they're they're the pretty side of serving. Yeah. Is the custodian. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of custodians probably without maybe even without realizing it, have this gift because somebody's got to clean the somebody's got to scrub the toilets. Let's just right. be honest. Right, right. You know, you don't want to be walking into a building with dirty bathrooms. Yeah. Somebody's got to do that. And that's the way that they serve the church. And there, it's not just about the skill about how you scrub a sink, um, but about like being able to see that as ministry of mm -hmm. it's drudgery, but I do this and I do it well uh, to offer this as a way of loving my neighbor. That perspective is something not everybody has. And to recognize that as a gift, uh, to, to me, that feels very similar then to uh, Brother Lawrence's notion of practicing the presence mm -hmm. of God, that, that idea of I can be connecting with God in things that look very unreligious. I mean, scrubbing bathroom fixtures or, you know, uh, mopping floors and yet to discover this is a way of loving neighbor and therefore of connecting with the God who gives me those neighbors. That really is a gift. I think um, from my perspective of having served primarily churches who struggle financially um, they're making that transition of paying for certain services to now suddenly we have to raise up volunteers from within ourselves to do certain things that we used to pay somebody to do, but now we don't have the money to pay for it. So now we're trying to find people to do it. And one of those things is custodians, right? Yeah. Like many churches are going from, oh yes, we used to pay a cleaning service or a cleaning person. And now we're looking for people within our own congregation to clean, um, especially during this past year, during the pandemic, when I know my churches last summer were looking at how do we reopen safely? Because we want to reopen, even though the pandemic's still going on. Um, and at that point, the CDC was very concerned about 
the COVID germs being transmitted by touch, Mm -hmm. not just like breathing, but it was still like touching things. So um, trying to find those volunteers who were willing to come Mm in in services and clean, you know, the hand railings and the pews and anything that people might've touched, that was a struggle. And I think that that was, at least for the congregations I was serving then, was an eye opener of what it means to have that spiritual gift of cleaning for mm-hmm. community. Yeah, yeah. And to note that that is uh, maybe a, a different manifestation of the same gift of serving that shows up as you know, the, the preparation of a meal, it, whether it's, you know, a big group, like, a, you know, the, the people who prepare the meals at a funeral for comforting those who are grieving, or they make the church, you know, fellowship dinners, or the people who have the, the ability to feed just like house guests. I mean, the, the ability to be good and hospitable, you know, whether it's one person or a hundred persons coming to eat, that ability to see serving in all, in, in any of those circumstances, that, that kind of hospitality is a gift as well. I was at camp a couple of weeks ago, a camp that I'm on the board for, and we were painting mm-hmm. um, like the pool house and I was painting picnic tables. And there was a guy there that had been there all week. And he's like, this is a lot of work for four weeks of camp. I'm like, no, this is a little bit of work for an eternity. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, cause all I could think of was like, these kids are going to come to camp and possibly meet God here, hopefully meet God here. And it might change their lives, you know? So it's worth being out in the 90 degree heat with no shade, painting a pool house and picnic tables, if it means these kids have a better camp experience. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that ability to see uh, the connection between a small, you know, a chore and the way it could be used or the way it could be offered up to God's purposes, that in itself feels like a related spiritual gift. And and maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe you'll have a good word for this or a place to find it in the scriptures. But to me, this feels like that's an important gift too. Uh, there, there's a pastor I used to know who used to use the phrase faithful imagination. And that that idea seems important to me, like the idea to, to see in a situation um, creatively, to, to, to creatively see where God might be in this. And it's not like, not imagination in the sense of pretending something that isn't true, mm-hmm. but being able to envision something um, that isn't visible to the senses. Um, and like that, yeah, that, that ability to see painting a picnic table uh, is actually, you know, setting the groundwork for a place where someone might have a really important conversation that makes God real for them in the right way. And the fact they didn't get a splinter because the wood, you know, is adequately painted and didn't ruin that moment. Yeah, that that's an important gift. But the ability to call out those things seems important as another spiritual gift. And maybe that's related to preaching and teaching, but I'm not sure if that's like another area, but that feels like that's a gift too. I don't have a word for it, Steve, but I think it's a gift. So yeah. I don't, maybe we can coin a word and it will become something. I'm, I'm um, happy with faithful imagination until I get a better one. Yeah. But, but I, I, that we need a good word for what that is. And maybe, maybe like then the additional question becomes like we've talked about with other gifts, how do you help to recognize them in yourself or in others? Mm-hmm. That, it's, it's hard to recognize a gift if you don't have a good word for it. Um, but how do you help call it out in other people? And, and, and when somebody else has that ability to make that connection of, you know, whether it's, you know, hey, this, this small act of serving that seems mundane is actually this brilliant, beautiful connection with God. How do you help call that out in other people to help raise it up and encourage it? That seems important, too. 
and maybe that I'm not not mean to jump all over the place, but you when you when you gave us that list from uh, from Romans 12, one of them was listed there was encouraging. Um, mm-hmm. And that seems like it's 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 the the gift that amplifies other people's gifts. But it's it's certainly in the book of Acts and Spades. I think in particular of the figure of Barnabas, whose whose primary job is to be the cheerleader for other people. And it's not that he's ever meant to be like the superhero himself, but he's there helping lift up other people. That seems like an important spiritual gift too. That kind of reminds me of um, I don't know if either of you have ever read Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages. Oh, okay. And one of the love languages is words of affirmation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like his basic theory is that everybody speaks one of five love languages and you have to kind of be aware of how, like, especially with your partner, mm-hmm. um, what their love language is and what your love language is. And so then that way, if you're not speaking the same love language, you're recognizing that they're speaking words of love to you, even even if it's not your native love language, but then that you can also strive to speak their love language so that they feel loved. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at the same time, we still kind of need all five love languages. Sure. Sure. That if you go completely without one of the love languages, you're probably not going to feel all that loved. Like if you are never physically touched by your partner, you're not going to feel loved. Even if they're speaking all the other love languages, like that touch is important. Uh, that, you know, gift giving is important. It's not like the end all be all, but it's important. Um, likewise, it's important to encourage one another with words. Yeah. Like to sometimes just say, you know, you're doing a really good job. I know you feel like you're struggling right now and you're really stressed, but you're doing a good job. You, as you are right now, you are enough. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love the way you framed it, that it's it's not about trying to, to steer someone or nudge someone into what you want them to be, but allowing them to be who they are meant to be and bringing out their gifts. So it's, it's that, I mean, teaching sometimes has that feel of like, here's, I want you to be, I want you to know what I know. So I'm going to raise you up to, you know, learn the things that I think. Mm-hmm. are important. Again, there's a certain amount of, yeah, that's what teaching is. There's things you need to know. Here's what I want you to, to gain by the end of the class, the lecture, the whatever. Um, but yeah, that encouragement is more like, uh, being able to, to like, like watering a flower that I can't change what kind of flower it is, but letting it be whatever it's supposed to be. Are there other kinds of things that, that any of you would want to add that, that maybe didn't make it onto a biblical list that you think is somehow still the spiritual gift or, or that would be worth uplifting uh, in our lives? Have we talked about giving? Let, let's talk about no. it and, and how, and how that can be a gift. Cause like, Okay, I'm in my early 30s and still paying off student loans for both my husband and myself. Like, we're still doing the whole student loan thing. We now have a mortgage. Giving is not, I wouldn't say, a spiritual gift of ours right now. Like, that's not where we are in our lives financially. Like, we're still, like, trying to dig ourselves out of a hole here. Um, But... I know that in congregations that I've served, there have definitely been people who can give, whether that's financially 
or even just giving them their time. Um, because again, when you're looking at like big giant service projects, you, your first thought isn't, oh yeah, I'm going to tap into the 30 year olds who have like small children at home and are like crazy busy. No, you're often looking first to the newly retired people <laughs> who are like kind of going, oh man, I don't have to go to my nine to five anymore. Like, what do we do? And then they quickly overcommit with overcommit themselves because they're signing up for everything and anything, Right. Um, you know, they have time to give. And oftentimes now they're also the ones who have some money to give. Um, but like, I think that that's a real gift to be able to give of your own time because that's huge. Like there's only 24 hours in a day. Like if somebody is willing to give you some time, that's amazing. That's a yeah. gift. Yeah. Um, Likewise, if they have money to give towards, you know, a project or a ministry, that's also a gift. Yeah. And I, I would want to add on to that notion that the, that recognizing the spiritual gift of generosity isn't simply a quantitative, the people with the deepest pockets are the best at it, but more like that one, it's a, it's, it's a valuable thing to be able to give without strings. Like there are times when I've known people who have lots of material resources, but their offers to give always came with the strings of, but I want you to use it on this, this particular project the way yeah. I want you to do it. And you have to do it my way and ask me in my timing. And here's the contractors I want you to do the, do the project with um, that. It, it, and, and I'm sure they mean well, but like, it always has like this little bit of an edge of like that you're, you know, working with a mafioso um, and like the, the ability to give without strings seems important. Like to say, if you're, if you're interested in my input on how you use this money or whatever, like, great, I'm more glad, I'm more than glad to offer you my input, but that's different than I'm only giving you this if you'll do what I want in this particular way. And that, that allows somebody to give with trust. Like I'm trusting you to, you know, to use as well and here use it. That that's a really, really important piece, I think, and is not tied to who has the biggest bank account, but maybe who is the most um, self-actualized with most self-deferentiated. Like um, this, this is not about um, a transaction. This is me being generous. And I find it fascinating. And, and I get where you're coming from, Sarah, with the student loans and the mortgage and everything, but I have had friends uh, one who, who has gone on to glory now, who did not have a lot of money, was always, you know, paycheck to paycheck, but definitely had this gift and w w would give anything, like give the shirt off her back, would, would buy you a meal. And it's, it's always fascinating to me. You expect the people with a lot of time and a lot of money to be the ones that have this gift. And sometimes they are, but sometimes it's the folks that you would never expect, you know, that have this gift and are willing to just literally be the sacrificial widow and yeah. give the last two dollars that they have in their wallet into the offering plate because they trust God is going to provide for them for their next meal or, you know, their next bill or whatever it is. And I think that, that, that suggests to me too, that there's an ability to be generous where again, it's not about the cash value of the gift, but more that there's a wisdom with giving of like knowing um, you know, like I, I know people who are great at giving books and it's not just like here, I read this book and therefore I think everybody should read it. 
sometimes that that's appropriate but others are like i know you and i know the kind of book you would like so i found this and i think you would like there's there's a special ability mm-hmm. to know somebody well enough to know the kinds of books or you know whatever you know other things you know decor or you know what what colors they like whatever that that's about knowing people well enough to know the details of their life or being able to read a situation where you can just tell when someone's having a rough day and you know you know what would make this person say I'm going to bring them a latte. I'm going to take them out to lunch or something like that, where it's like, this is not about the cash value of it, but more like this would be an act of generosity that would help brighten somebody else's day. And knowing how, again, it's sort of like gels into that love language thing, Sarah, that you were Mm -hmm. talking about, that when you know somebody well enough that you know what little token thing, regardless of its cash value, would go a long way to lift them up that i that to me feels like the same the, the gift of, of giving the gift of generosity but in it in a different currency maybe and when you can partner a giver somebody with the gift of generosity and somebody with the love language of gift getting like yeah. they, they, you got a match made in heaven <laughs> okay to to be fair the love language is gift giving <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> like Oftentimes, they're also the ones who, like, really appreciate when you give a gift to them. But, like, they're the gift giving. No, I'm I'm really good at opening presents. <laughs> like, and honestly, like in in a way, I, I I know that was a little bit tongue in cheek, but like, there's an ability, and I'm not often great at it, to be able to receive a gift and to do that humbly and gracefully. Because mm-hmm. like, I I know folks, and sometimes I struggle with like that that sort of one upsmanship of like, well, you give something, well, now I have to one up you, or no, like, and that's a struggle where like the yeah. egos can be so big in that, and to instead be like, thank you, somebody took the time to show appreciation thank you is the right thing to say, not, well, now I've got to get something back for you. No, let the gift land. And in time, whatever reciprocity requires, you know, but, but not to make it like transactional, you know, to me, and maybe this is the Lutheran in me, but to me, it feels like the ability to both give and receive well is an appreciation of grace that like that recognition Mm -hmm. that God's economy runs differently and isn't just always transactional. I do this for you. So then you have to do this for me in return, but it's, there's no more bean counting. So there's going to be times where you have the gift of giving. So wonderful. You're able to do this wonderful thing. Great. I will look for ways to express my gratitude, but it's not reducible to a, I have to give you something of equal cash value. And I have to quickly look up what the value of the thing that you got me is so that we can be even that kind of thing. Oh, you don't have to be Sheldon Cooper. Right, 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 right. Like in, in some ways that, 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 that character from the big bang theory, just like it, it just like was a caricature of that impulse in so many of us, you don't, you don't have to be the, the sitcom particle physicist or whatever to to be like that all of us have some wrestling with that that um transactional thinking and the ability to let go of that both as givers and receivers that seems like an important gift too i want to toss out if you're willing one other thing that to me seems like an important gift and as i think about it i see it in in jesus of nazareth all the time um but maybe it's a gift that is related to some of those we've talked about. And it's it's that ability to maybe to, to, to speak and think or, or invent parables that or analogies or illustrations that help that help speak wisdom. It feels like it's it's a cousin of wisdom, it's a cousin of preaching and teaching. Um, and it, it may be also just knowing our, our biblical story well, but the ability to see the, the need in a moment of other people and to find the right story or analogy or image that helps them. 
Um, and that means both an ability to think quickly on your feet, but also the ability to know, say, the, the story of the scriptures well enough to go, hey, this sounds like you're going through what Daniel went through. Man, this sounds like you're Esther. I mean, what, but, but, but to, to apply rightly, this is the, the story that needs to be told for this moment. I think that that gift it is so strongly tied with preaching and teaching, but it's, it's not preaching and teaching, mm -hmm. but it's, it's one that I think that the, at least in my life, that the preachers and teachers who have made the most impact on me has had this gift. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm envious of every time I encounter somebody with this gift and go, Oh, I wish I had this. And occasionally I feel like something clicks and I'll have a good day and I'll have it. And then the next day it's gone. Yeah. And with, so like when it happens, I like have to write stuff down because it's like, oh yeah, because this isn't going to be here tomorrow. I'll forget all of these connections that I've thought of. Which to me, it like, again, speaks to this as a gift rather than just that you've memorized the Bible. You know, that like mm -hmm. th th when, it, when it comes and the moment is clear and you're like, oh, this is the thing that needs to be said in this moment. That's part of what, what, what says to me, this is spiritual gift rather than just uh, I, I memorize a lot of stories. And, and maybe like your, your idea that it's connected with preaching and teaching seems important to me in that it's, it's almost like the inverse. That to me, it seems like the task of the preacher most most basically has to do with taking a text and asking the what does this say to our situation and that whatever this spiritual gift that i'm thinking of is whatever the word that i'm, I'm aching for is is taking the situation finding a text for it it's almost the opposite it's sort of a what's the mm -hmm. situation someone's got what's what part of the of wisdom or what story needs to to, to walk with somebody through this moment um in this time and that to, to me that feels like closer to what the like the the a helpful and healthy approach to pastoral counseling looks like that doesn't pretend that we're supposed to be psychiatrists or psychologists or counselors in other ways that like it's great when somebody who is ordained also has you know a background or knowledge in psychology or psychiatry but most of the time that's not what you're dealing with and it is really tempting sometimes for pastors to imagine that they have an expertise that takes the place of a, a psychologist or mm -hmm. psychiatrist, they do not. Um, but what we do is we have stories. We have we have borrowed words to offer, and that's helpful. That 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 doesn't replace what uh, other kinds of counseling can do, but it can be a helpful supplement or another piece in the the conversation. And for uh, for folks who are put in the role of being pastoral counselors, to me, it feels like knowing that niche and not going beyond it, not saying, and because I know these Bible stories so well, I will also prescribe for you these antidepressants, but instead like, this is what I can offer. Here are stories that might help you to make sense of what you're going through right now that make sense with the tradition you come from and bounce us off of those other wise people and counselors you see in your life. That can be a helpful place and a, and a, a place where, preachers and teachers who also are pastors and kind of, you know, that, that kind of role that we're given uh, where that gift could be useful. I'll have to talk to my counselor next time because he has this gift. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, I mean, he is a trained counselor. Yeah. Uh, I forget if he's a psychologist, psychiatrist. I, I don't, don't I remember the difference between the two, but anytime I talk with him, mostly because I'm a pastor, I think yeah. he talks to the lady a little bit differently, but he's like, you know scripture, so I'm going to tell you this story, yeah. like this obscure story from scripture, but I know you know it because you're a preacher and you, right. you know, and he's just like, okay, this is how this applies to your life. And I'm like, dang, you're right. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, yeah. And I, I think part of it is just the nature of how stories work. The like, and again, like I think about this, the times in the scriptures themselves where, you know, it's, it's Nathan telling that parable to David about the little mm-hmm. lost ewe lamb, and he can get under David's defenses in a way that if he just scolded him and said, hey, you shouldn't have committed murder and adultery, David would have you know, gotten all defensive or maybe killed Nathan, the prophet who said things that were uncomfortable. But when he tells a story, then David's like, yeah, you're right. That guy in your story, what a jerk he is. And then Nathan could go, you're the jerk, you <laughs> moron <laughs> um, in love. But like... <laughs> That it, it's it's and it seems like Jesus' parables do that so well too. That instead of treating them like they are just fun little object lessons, they they're more like time bombs. You know, they have this way of getting beneath, beneath their defenses, and then so often th- those stories will go like. And then when the people realize he was talking about them, they want to throw them off a cliff. Like they realize, oh, you got us to to think in a new way, and that was uncomfortable, or you helped us to see a truth we didn't want to face, or you comforted us in ways that we need. So like this feels like it's related to the way we talked about prophecy a few episodes ago, that it's it's that ability to find words that afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted, that Jesus does that mm-hmm. with, with storytelling in a way that gets below our defenses. Are there other things that any of you would want to lift up that we haven't talked about yet that are spiritual gifts that uh, we might look for in one another or try and cultivate or invite the spirit to grant us in ourselves? There's one that I, I struggle with a lot and always have, and I always admire the folks that have it, administration. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> yeah, and, and not terribly glamorous either, right? It's like, it's no. the... <laughs> It's the the crummy side of being a leader is it, it it's fun to be up front and have everybody, you know, clapping for when you say words, but it's hard to be the organizer in the background that, yeah. Like I'm a planner and I, I think I do decently well with planning, but like at the church level, like, you know, with the finances and all that other stuff, I'm just like, nope, not my gifting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Find somebody else. And I, I think it's a real gift, maybe the gift of humility to know for each one of us what things are our gifts and to be able to mm-hmm. be okay with saying, and here's stuff that I'm not great at. And we need people who can round this picture out because just because any one of us doesn't have the gift doesn't mean it's not important. Sometimes I think that's the temptation for us as uh, pastors, especially if we've been in situations of being sole pastor in a, in a setting where you're expect, expected to be, be the sort of jack of all trades, to be, to be able to say, okay, I can function in this area, but I'm not great at it. So help, mm-hmm. help me, you know, to raise up the people who are good at that, that ability to know ourselves well enough. That's a side of wisdom that again, doesn't get a lot of press because it means owning the places I'm not great at stuff and uh, to help then encourage other people who do have those abilities to say, I, we need you because the, 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 the team needs you. <laughs> but isn't that the root of administration yeah. is to know, yeah. know and, and be able to find people whose gifts it is to yes. do the things you cannot do. Right. Like um, I am terrible at math. Like, <laughs> I am just really bad at it, um, but I am very lucky, lucky that that isn't true for all people. <laughs> plenty of people in the congregation who are great at math. Um, likewise, I do not know anything about plumbing, right. but I know people who know how to do plumbing. Mm-hmm. And so it's, to me, administration at its root is being able to be organized enough to know 
who the people are with those gifts and to be able to like know how to contact them and know how to ask, Hey, there's something weird going on with the toilet. It's making a weird noise. Would you swing by today and just like listen and look at it and like, tell me, is this something that we can fix? That means you, can you fix it? Or do we need to call the plumber? Right. Right, right. Now, to me, that is the root of administration. Yeah, and related to that, the, the the not only the ability to know who else has gifts, but to know how not to overtax any one person. So that they're always the mm-hmm. the go to. I mean, we talked before about how there are folks in any congregational setting who. Um, feel like they've got lots and lots of time to offer to sign up for stuff and a good administration doesn't just say good we'll sign you up for everything and burn you out but like no let's let's tap this person for this particular thing but who else can we spread around these asks Mm -hmm. for so that nobody gets burned out in the work and and that everybody then has their ability to 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 give their gift to, to and to recognize that in some ways it's an important gift to let somebody else offer their gift, you know, like, and again, like that gets into like, sometimes our culture makes us not good at receiving help from other people or looks down on people, you know, for, for receiving help. But I think, I think that's a spiritual gift too, the ability to create the space for somebody else to offer what they're good at and to let it, to, to let them shine, not, not to make it, you know, not, not, not to make it all about you, but to let somebody else offer what they're good at. And we started all this by saying not everybody has every spiritual gift. Right. You know, we need each other. We need to be able to call on those folks that have this gift and that gift when, when they're needed. Um, you know, we talked about how in the Corinthians passage, this delves right into the body. Yeah. You know, and how you need the hand and the foot and the ear and the eye. Um, so I think that's, that's a good reminder for all of us. Uh, especially for those of us, <clears throat> myself, <laughs> who are really bad at asking for help mm. um, from other people, mm-hmm. and you know, and just said, "I'll just, you know, I'll just push through and I'll do it and I'll get it done." Yeah, yeah. Um, this reminds me of that High School Musical song that we're all in this together. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> and and that maybe then one of the things that we who happen to be in roles of by office leadership to the extent we've got the spiritual gift for it or not is a separate question. Um, but like one of the things that we can try to do at least is to try to model both using the gifts that we have, but also owning where we have the need and need help so that when, and as we model that for others, hopefully that takes away the stigma or shame for them of asking for help where they need it. But mm-hmm. also this is what we do for each other. We create space for people's gifts to be honored. And we also don't look down on people when they say, Hey, I could really use a hand with X or Y or Z that that can be something that, that we can help set the tone with, even if it's a struggle for us to learn to do as well. It seems to me like both of you have the spiritual gift of helping to tie up loose ends in a, in a <laughs> podcast series because that was a fantastic way of wrapping up this conversation. And, and like we said, it's not that this is all that can ever be said about spiritual gifts, but we hope at least uh, has been a way of, of inviting each of us to look, what gifts do I have and what gifts are people around me gifted with that I can call out and uplift and encourage in them. Thanks for joining us here this series on Crazy Faith Talk. See y'all. Bye. Bye. Oh,